You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with New Radio Media, and we'll spend the next hour talking Torah learning stuff and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to call the show, I don't know if you'll get in today, but it's 844-999-9249, or you can email us at Let's Talk Torah, no apostrophes, at gmail.com. Before I get into our special guest today, um, I did want to mention an important fact. We are now at my one-year anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations, Fee. I was supposed to get my music. You wanted music. I wanted music for my one-year anniversary. Oh, I yes, this is right. You Here did want go. your music. There you go. Right? There we go. My music for my one-year anniversary. Yeah. And as the Virginia Slims uh, advertisement always went, you've come a long way. Yep. And uh, those who want to check out my first show and check out now, you'll see the studio is different. I'm different. My pack of uh, papers has shrunk. My guests have uh, come, increased in amazing, mm-hmm. amazing quality. We're going to talk about all kinds of great stuff today. We'll talk about love between a person, between God. We'll talk about a special holiday, um, which is actually today, the 15th day of the month of Av, or known as Tuba Av. Um, we're going to have a special guest, Eliza Ben Shalom, a dating coach. We'll try it again into the Shema a little bit. We'll have our special segment with Rabbi Jonas and Goldson and his uh, two-minute thought. And, of course, uh, our word of the week, all kinds of good stuff. But um, today is Tuba Av. Tuba Av is considered, you know, last week we talked about the saddest day on the Jewish calendar, the 9th of Av. And a week later, we're at a day considered the happiest day, or one of the happiest days, according to the Talmud, on the Jewish calendar, known as the 15th of Av. Numerous reasons are given why, but one of the reasons, um, it was a day that was set up for getting married, or dating, or finding, the Yiddish word would be finding your bashert, finding your soulmate, as people like to say. And because it is a special date, on our calendar, I didn't mean that as a pun, um, we have a special guest, dating coach, author of Get Real, Get Married, contributor to Huffington Post, if I pronounce it right, the Yotet Neman, H.com, interviewed by the BBC, owner of Marriage Minded Mentor, I am joined by Aliza Ben Shalom. Aliza, how are you? Good, Rabbi, how are you? I am excellent. Beautiful weather here in Detroit. Um, the East Coast seems to be getting a little wet. It, very wet. <laughs> very wet, yeah. Not, not what I want for the summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very wet. I have somebody in Silver Spring, a brother-in-law. He's got flooding. I hope you don't have flooding. No, thank God. Oh, good no, for that. No. Excellent. I, you know, I, I had to start with this question. Um, as a dating coach, you have the most fascinating name. Um, your name is Aliza Ben Shalom. Shalom is peace. Son of peace. Yeah. The whole idea in marriage is we're looking for peace. Um, I, I just had to ask, um, is this um, by chance, or is that really your name? <laughs> 
Well, it is legally my name, according to uh, the government, because when I got married, uh, you know, you had to change your name. Uh, if you really, you want the real story? <laughs> sure. I, I think it's just such a, a, such a great story how you have a name that, like, fits perfect for your job. It is. It really is, and it's a blessing. Um, my husband's you know, when he gets called up to the Torah, right, he gets called up as Gershon Shimon Ben Shalom. And so when we got married, uh, we took on our full Hebrew names, and, uh, and so we became the Ben Shaloms. That is a great story. Just out of curiosity, usually people from uh, Middle Eastern countries, from North African countries, what we call Svardim, have those types of names. Um, is that where your husband is from? No, we are not Sephardi. We're, we're, I have such a warm feeling towards Sephardim, and my, my uh, mother's mother's side, they were Ladino, and they spoke Spanish, and so there's Sephardi coming from that side, but uh, we are not Sephardim. Okay, great. I just, I just thought, you know, I was sitting yesterday by my computer, and I said, it, it's either a real name or it's just like, whoa, I don't know how, how she pulled that one off, but it's excellent. It's very good. <laughs> So you are a dating coach, and my first question, of course, is what is a dating coach? Right? Everybody asks that. I can't <laughs> like, imagine why. I know why. what a godhan is, but what's a coach? Well, you know, I'm going to so, interrupt you for one second because many people listening, certainly everybody um, helping me run this program, have no idea what a shadchan is either. But I like so to translate a, both. Okay, so a shadchan is a matchmaker, you know, from... Uh, Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, right? From Fiddler on the Roof. Right, like my introduction. Um, and, and yeah, a matchmaker makes an introduction. They, they you know, suggest so and so should go out with so and so. And a dating coach is somebody who has the same goal as a matchmaker. My goal is to help people get married, get under the chuppah, and take things to the to the next level. But my methods are different. So a matchmaker usually has three roles. They're the matchmaker in fact. They set them up. There's the matchmaker in act that kind of walks the couple through it. Like every couple goes through ups and downs. Some people go to matchmaker. Some people go to friends. Some people go to therapists or relatives. And then there's the matchmaker intact. that when a relationship hits the eventual down, which it should, they should have a natural up and down, they have somebody to count on to help them get through their challenges. So I, I, as a coach, I walk people through the process when they're dating, before they're dating, so that they you know, don't have as many challenges or that they can more gracefully navigate them. That's my goal. Okay, good. So we're going to get into the details of some of that. Um, you know, we all pick, I think we all try to pick our professions. I always wanted to be a teacher. From my youngest days, I was going to be a teacher. I'm a teacher. Um, it was never my goal to be a fundraiser. I'm a fundraiser also. And I can assure you it was never my intention to stand behind, to sit behind a microphone. But here I am. <laughs> How did you decide, fall into, become a dating coach? It's an awesome question. I did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. If you asked me when I was younger, I would tell you that I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a family. Those were the two things that I knew that I wanted to do, but in terms of a career, I was really kind of lost. I studied things that I was interested in, but I never found my niche. I, I wasn't really excited or passionate about anything specifically. 
Um, so I got a degree. It was in, I had a certificate in Jewish studies, children's literature, and environmental studies. And people told me I could write Jewish children's environmental books. And I said, yeah, I can. And I do want to write a book, but I don't know that that's it. And I, I was kind of just floundering. And um, as I guess as a, a hobby, I didn't really know I had, but I would help set people up or I would help work with them while they were in a relationship and give them a, a relationship advice. And after I got married at 25, I started um, doing a little bit of matchmaking online, and I, it was too impersonal for me. So I started actually calling people and talking to them and coaching them informally, and I kind of just fell into it, and I would spend days and nights talking with people and working with them until it became, I either had to get a job or make my own business because we had a growing family and we needed to support ourselves. And my husband said, you know, do whatever works for you. It doesn't matter to me. I said, okay, well, I want to make a business. I want to do this. I really want to help people. He said, great. So I did. And it sounds like as a mother, I know you have a couple children. I don't remember I how have many. Five, five kids. Oh, um, how nice. How old are they? Uh, my oldest is 14 and a boy. Then I have a girl who is 12. And then I've got boys 9, 7, and almost 5. I say boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, a real <laughs> boy's family. You made a bar mitzvah. You got a bas mitzvah in there. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. A boy's yeah. family. I also have more boys than girls. But uh, once they start getting married, then you, you sort of even it out. I mean, at least that's right. the goal. <laughs> um, so you were actually helping friends before you got married? I did. One of my girlfriends from high school, um, I would say, you know, like I was the accidental matchmaker and coach for her. Um, I made an introduction. We were out as, you know, a bunch of friends were out. I saw that they were talking. They were having a nice time together. I excused myself from the table and, you know, went to the corner of the room. I let them talk for a while and um, they dated for a while and then got married and now they have two kids. Wow, amazing. Amazing. So it must be a fantastic feeling when you're successful. You're running a business that has many ups and downs. Yes. And uh, um, I, it doesn't feel like so many downs. To me, a down is really temporary. Like it's just, it didn't work out for this date or this person or this time. Okay, so that's not the right person. To me, that's great news. That's clarity. We can move on. What's really a down to me is when somebody is in the land of I don't know. They go out. Do you do like them? I don't know. How was the date? It was okay. Do you want to go out again? Maybe. To me, that's the really challenging spot to be in. Yeah, I know. I From some of the stuff I looked at online, clarity seems to be your focus. You're looking for clarity. Almost like when children come home from school, it's pretty much the same conversation. How was school? I don't know. Okay, maybe. I think it was good. I'm not sure. And that you certainly experience um, with with all the kids at home. So, I mean, this one is a, maybe it's, I'm jumping the gun a little bit. How do you help somebody develop clarity? So, part of it, I have a firm belief that they do know. That's first of all. And it's usually somewhere within them. And through questions and conversation, I can help to draw it out. Um, not that I'm giving them my opinion or I'm telling them what to do or how to do it, but that they actually 
have an understanding of something. They just don't know they have the understanding. When they say it, they might not even recognize it, but I recognize it, and then I can reflect back to them what they said, and they can go, oh, yeah, and then they can check in with how they're feeling and notice whether they're starting, you know, they actually are starting to feel good about um you know, who they're dating or if they're really not feeling good about it. And they, they usually have much more clarity than they know they have. It just gets very cloudy because a lot of other people in their life have opinions and their own desires are mixed with what their parents or their friends or other people tell them they want for them. And so I think that's where a lot of confusion comes from. So too many people helping them out. Yeah, it's kind of like a brain fog where it's just like, I, I don't know, I, should I go left? Should I go right? Go straight? Will all roads lead to the end? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Everybody's got a piece of advice, and you don't really know whose advice you should trust. And a lot of people were trained out of trusting their own instincts. And when you don't trust yourself, then you really lose all control of the whole situation, and clarity goes out the window. Okay, so let's 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 deal with that a little bit. I I, I didn't ask you at what age, um, whether we call them children or adults, are are, are coming your way. Um, my children were married. Well, those that are married right now at a at a younger age. They what, what's younger? Younger means that my sons were twenty three ish and my daughters were nineteen ish. Okay. I have two married sons and two married daughters. So those children, they are children, I'm not fooling anybody, Um, they're going to rely a lot on their parents. When my daughter would come back and say, I don't like this person, there's there's nothing here, so we as parents would guide her. But um, I'm only imagining, but are you working with, with, well, we call them young adults that are a little bit older and their parents are making them nervous and they don't have someone good to talk to, or where are you coming from? So my specialty is older singles, and it depends who you are, what that means to you, right? So older singles could mean, you know, 24, 25. Older singles could mean 35, 45, 55, 65. I primarily work with anybody from, I would say, 25 through early 70s. Wow. And, and usually the younger, uh, under 25, they don't need me for two reasons. One, they, aren't, they haven't had enough life experience. They're still, you know, either more positive or have more people that are guiding them in their life, and they don't feel like they need something yet. They, they usually have a better support network. Um, and maybe they haven't made, you know, as many mistakes or had as many negative experiences along the way so that they're still willing to go through the process and, you know, try it on their own. Um, As you get older, you have less of a support network, and you also start to trust yourself less because if you go out with two people, three people, ten people, fifteen people, twenty people, and it's still not working out, the numbers can keep going, but you start to think, well, there must be something wrong with me. Uh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I don't know how to do this. It's never right. It's never going to work. And I always tell people, no, it's never going to work with the wrong person. And it's only supposed to work with one right person, right? There's one person in the world. So everybody else is supposed to be wrong. There's supposed to be a no. And that's actually right, even though it doesn't feel right. 
but it's very hard to have that confidence after having so many no's. You know, like in sales, people say no just means that I can move along and not waste my time and move on to the next person or the next sale or whatever uh, or whatever I have to do. So just um, only just to touch it, even though I know that's not really what you do, um, do you think, just as a personal opinion, not looking for any, you know, earth-shattering um, thoughts, but um, do you like the idea or do you find there's success in the idea of children getting married younger when their parents can guide them, whereas when they get a little bit older, um, there's more confusion? It's an interesting question the way that you phrased it. I like the idea of people getting married at a younger age because they're less formed in who they are, and they're more likely to be able to grow together with a partner. So that's why I like the idea of somebody doing it at a younger age. Parental or anybody's involvement could be tremendously beneficial or could be very detrimental. It really depends on the person guiding and who they are, how good of a listener they are, um, how much they validate what the single is saying and feeling and how much they allow them to express their own thinking. So it, it could be a positive, it could be a negative. The other large challenge is that there's such a large divorce rate that um, many parents themselves are divorced. And so it's difficult for them to, or, or for the children to trust that their parents are going to help them to make a good decision when they see that they didn't necessarily make the right decision for themselves. Okay, my music is on, and uh, I know you told me we can hold through the break. So when we come back um, in about two minutes, we're going to have all kinds of good stuff to keep talking about with Elizabeth Shalom. As a question for you to think about during the break, um, I'm sure you have funny stories. I'm just curious, has anyone ever called you in the middle of a date? Okay, we're going to be right back, so hold on. We're talking to Elizabeth Shalom. We'll be right back. You can be in and out in 10 minutes. A1 does walk-ins, so appointments aren't necessary. A1 Fingerprints, located in Southfield on Southfield Road. Go to a1fingerprints.com for more information. That's a1fingerprints.com. It's that easy. Maple Lane Golf Club is a 54-hole golfing treasure located in the heart of Sterling Heights. Maple Lane Golf Club offers immaculate greens, a top-flight pro shop, and inexpensive green fees. For convenience, book your tee time online at maplelanegolf.com. Come out and enjoy a great golf experience. Try our 9 and Dine special, 9 holes of golf, and enjoy food and refreshments in the Clubhouse Bistro. That's Maple Lane Golf Club in Sterling Heights. Check us out at maplelanegolf.com. Advertising your business these days can be challenging. Traditional radio and TV ads are expensive and, frankly, a bit of a crapshoot. Not to mention, the audience for over-the-air material is shrinking as more and more of us demand to see and hear what we want, when we want. Advertising on new radio media is a solution. With our live streaming programs that are also available on demand, your message is always ready when your customers are ready to watch and listen, all for a fraction of what you'd likely have been paying for other ads. NewRadioMedia.com. Call Buzz Van Houten at 248-939-9999 for more information. Looking for New Year's time, kind of how I'm 
And we're back, and I'm with Elisa Ben Shalom, a dating coach, and we're talking about what it means to be a dating coach, why why single adults would need a dating coach. Um, I have some thoughts on the Shema I wanted to bring up, but I think I'm going to hold it because this question I wanted, I, I just wrote it down. Um, Elisa, you still with me? Yes. Excellent. So... Um, only because I, I've heard some of these stories. I just wonder if it ever happened to you. Um, when you're coaching someone and you're working with them, um, have they ever, like, you know, maybe they go out to eat with somebody and in the middle of the date they go to the bathroom and call you for help? Has that ever happened? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have. They've called. They've texted. It's, it's usually like, I, I, I have two minutes. I, I just need to know how to do this. You know, I wanted to have this kind of conversation, but we're not going in that direction or something's happening or it's working. It's not working. I need your help. But like I, I said, where are you? You're not at the table, right? No, I'm not texting under the table. I, I went to the bathroom. I said, how long have you been in there? <laughs> you know, you have to go back to the table. It has happened. Uh-huh. So once once we, we, we got onto that line, um, just uh, – any any good funny stories come to mind? Funny stories. Um, no, I had a texting story, calling and texting stories, but not funny. I don't have a funny story off the top of my head. Okay. Maybe it'll come to me as we're talking. When it comes, we'll talk. So interesting, in this week's Torah portion is the famous Shema, Hero Israel. Um, there's one God. God is your God. Our God. God is one. And then the next paragraph talks about the command about loving God. And um, the, all the commentaries talk about how do you love God, and there's numerous answers. And if we saw all the good things, if we recognized all the good things that God does for us, it would be easier to love God. But interesting, um, when, when, when I've looked around and we talk about love, like parents, everyone knows that parents love a child more than a child can love a parent. And the simple reason is because parents have been giving that child for their whole life, from diapering and clothes and food, and when the child gets sick and emotional, and, and I have a child learning in Israel right now, so the, you know, it's the credit card. and we're, we're very busy giving, and unfortunately, children are very good at, at taking until they get married and find out that part of, of marriage is giving, and that leads into like what we'll call true love but when uh, but let's take it back a step I, I imagine that many of the people you work with are trying to tell you that they're falling in love with someone how do you react to them when they say that statement is it a true statement is it a is it just a wrong use of words what do you think it is so I have a sensitivity to language so when somebody says they're falling in love usually I tell them it's a red flag um, I agree with you 100% that love is built through giving, and the more that you give, the more that you can grow your love. And falling in love is usually what people would call infatuation. 
you really like the way that somebody else makes you feel. You really like the way that somebody else looks and you enjoy spending time with them. But it's not, it's not built on actual giving. So, so therefore, when, when someone's coming to you and saying, well, I mean, look, it happened to me. I had a, the girl told the shatrin, she said, I'm a nice guy, but she didn't hear bells. Was uh, I said okay? That's not a that's not a red flag to me. That to me says go out again. So I have I have a very easy um, dating philosophy, which is when a person goes out, a yes is a yes, right? You go out, you like the person, you know it's a yes. That's easy. That's not a problem. A no is a no. I don't like them. I can't look at them. I don't like the way they talk. What they talk about. It just this isn't for me. That's also easy. Anything other than a yes or a no is a yes for now, which means you go out again, you don't even have to think about. I don't care if you like them or you don't like them. If it's not a no, then you should go out again. And over the course of the dates, you'll become clear. It'll either become a firm no or you might warm up to somebody and it will become a yes. So are you saying that, because, again, I've heard people say that there may be not love, but there are certain chemicals in the body that react to what some people might call their soulmates. Do you believe in that? You don't believe in that? Chemicals in the body that would react to their soulmates. Uh, so you, I'm for sure using the wrong word, chemicals. But they mean that there's the body has some type of... Maybe it's butterflies. Some internal reaction to say that there's some connection here more than just... I'm not saying love because we went past that word. But there's... There's right. some type of connection here. Is that true or just as I get along with the person, we enjoy each other's company, I don't feel anything for the person? Is, is that enough? So it depends on who the, who the person is. For some people, it's enough. So imagine this. If you're going for a job and you're really excited about it, you really want that job, you get butterflies, you get all excited, and you get your job, and right, you have that feeling. If you're that kind of person and you would experience life like that, then you might experience love like that. If you're the kind of person who applies for the job, you like it, you're looking forward to it, you get the job, you're happy with your job, it's a good job, you enjoy being there, it's a good fit for you, you also might experience love like that. So butterflies or that feeling that you're talking about isn't an indication unless you're that type of a person that would normally experience life like that. That's not how everybody experiences love. Okay. Wow, I'm learning a lot of stuff today. It's a good thing. I must tell you, it's a good thing I dated a long time ago. Um, otherwise, <laughs> I'm not sure what would have happened. But okay. Like, the joke I always tell people is that... Uh, uh, my wife's not listening. My mother is. My wife is not. Um, but uh, but I, she was the only one that didn't say no to me. So I said, okay, this is good. So and that some people date that way. They wait for somebody else to say yes. And that also is another technique. It depends. Everybody has their own little thing, and there's certain kind of clusters of people that date in a certain way. And there's not one universal way that works. Um, it just it varies person to person. Cool. Here's one for you. I wrote myself a list of questions. Otherwise, I never remember what I want to ask. And I say, I wish I would have asked that one. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it harder when people are, are, in other words, we're discussing people that are going on dates with the intention of getting married. We, We weren't so clear at the beginning. We're not talking about people that are friends and want to go out for a drink or want to go out to a movie or want to go bowling. We're really talking people that have a, a very serious goal and are looking to get married. 
But the world we live in, from movies, from videos, from television, from what they see, even what the children see on Disney, does that make it harder on people when they're going out on dates? Yes, a lot harder. Um, Part of my degree was in children's literature, and we specifically looked at literature and some film as well, um, especially around young children and the relationships that they saw in, you know, books or movies, and it gives us certain impressions of ways we should think or how we should feel when we're in a relationship, and it's not reality, and it is all over. It's on billboards, and it's in magazines. It's very hard to avoid as you're walking around in the world and not feel like you're missing out on something because you're not feeling what you think somebody else might be feeling. So how do you help somebody? How do you help somebody get past that, that uh, fact, difficulty that uh, they've been living in a world of imagination, and the real world doesn't work that way? But their mind says, "But imagination is the way I want to go." How do you help those people? So people usually have a range of experiences. You know, they live in reality too. They understand. They saw their parents, their grandparents, aunts and uncles, relationships. So they have, you know, the Disney version and they also have the real life version. And I like to bring it out. Like, let's talk about what they know, what they have experienced and what their understanding of relationships and love are. And then we can figure out where the gaps are in their understanding and fill it in. Or if there's Um, misunderstandings where we could create um, an understanding and have a more clear picture and a clearer view so that they don't fall into the traps of following what the media um, projects about relationships and love. So it's, it's just, it's kind of personal development and it really takes into account that a person they have a whole world going on inside of them. And we have to understand what that is. We can't just shove more information in, right? If I just tell somebody something, they're not necessarily going to experience it and own it and take it as their own. But if they understand it and if they come to that understanding on their own, then they can grab onto that, hold on to that idea and say, oh, now I get it. Now it makes sense. Not just that somebody else told me, but now I have an understanding of it, and I know how to approach the world and how to approach relationships. So you're not really just a coach. You're really a therapist. <laughs> well, I'm not a therapist because I don't have an MSW, and I don't have any degree in that area, but I have uh, a strong interest in exploring that. I focus more on the present and the future as opposed to the past. I use the past as a place for learning and understanding, but it's not... Um, I don't do therapy like to go in and to heal and to work with people in that way. I work more with, you know, your understanding who you are, where you are, and where you want to be and helping you to get to that place. So if someone came to you and you understood that that child, single adult, has more, we'll say issues for lack of a better word, but has different issues that need to be dealt with, will you point the person in the right direction before they start working with you, or what, what happens? Um, I usually work alongside of therapists. Often people, when they come, if they have um, complex life situations, they're usually already in therapy, and they tell me, I'm not looking for a therapist. I want a dating coach. I want somebody who really understands the dating and relationship process, and my therapist is wonderful, but this isn't their expertise, right? Their expertise is therapy. My expertise is dating and relationship building. 
So they, I, if they don't already have somebody and I think that they need it, I would definitely make a recommendation and I don't hesitate to tell them, you know, this isn't what I do, this is more therapy related um, and it would be good for you to find somebody and talk to somebody and here's where I can help you. I, I definitely separate those Cool. Things My music is on. I'm going to hold you through one more segment. I hope we'll talk about your book, um, Get Real, Get Married, and we're going to be right back with Elizabeth Shalom. Plus, the latest LiftMaster garage door openers and the toughest retractable screens on the market, all by the push of a button. Tarno Doors is celebrating its 50th year anniversary and is the recipient of the 2016 Subcontractor of the Year from the Home Builders Association. Tarno knows doors. Tarno knows doors. If you need a fingerprinting service, A1 Fingerprints is the place to go. A1 Fingerprints specializes in fingerprinting for teachers, students, law enforcement, and more. A1 makes the process so easy and simple, you can be in and out in 10 minutes. A1 does walk-ins, so appointments aren't necessary. A1 Fingerprints, located in Southfield on Southfield Road. Go to a1fingerprints.com for more information. That's a1fingerprints.com. It's that easy. Guys, wait up. Hold on. Daddy said hold on. You know, I was thinking, Bill. Yeah. I'm ready for our show, and, and you're ready for the mm -hmm. show, but how do we let everyone know that we're ready for the show? Uh, slow motion rap video? Hi, I'm Art, and we're the crew at Tuffy Walled Lake. We've been in Walled Lake for 20 years. And through our knowledgeable staff and customer satisfaction, we've become quite the cornerstone in our community and to our discerning customers statewide. We know how important your vehicle is to you and we take pride in our impeccable affordable service and we're trying to get you back on the road as quickly and safely as we possibly can. Please stop in and see why everybody comes from all over to get their car serviced at 784 North Pontiac Trail in Wald Lake. And, and we're back with Aliza Ben Shalom. Am I good? I am playing with my mic over here. Here we go. We are back. Aliza, are you still with us? I'm here. Great. So, so much information. So little time. Um, and I know you've authored a book called, maybe more than one, but I know of one at least, um, Get Real, Get Married. Um, why did you write that book? I wrote the book because I know that I can't work with everybody and lots of people have questions. So I thought, you know what, if they, if I can't work with everyone, let me give people a do-it-yourself manual that they can get started with so that they can have some, what I think is good information on dating and relationships. And, and let me put something out there that um, hopefully will change the way people approach how to date and, and how to find someone. Uh, so writing a book, so have you used, it's, it's stories in your book, it's how-to, it's self-help, it's all of the above? Yes, all of the, see, all of the see. above. When in <laughs> um, doubt. The, sub, the subtitle's called Get Over Your Hurdles and Under the Chuppah, and it recognizes that we all have challenges and things that we have to move through, and, and how to do that. It gives a plan for the way that I think would be a good way to date and a smart way to date. 
Do you want me to give you an example or two? Sure, please. So um, one thing is something that I call the due date, spelled D-E-W. It stands for Dating, Engagement, and Wedding. And I ask people, forget about somebody else for the moment, just you, just your life. When do you want to start dating? When, after dating, if you meet the right person, after how long would you want to get engaged? And from that point, after how long would you like to get married? Some people tell me, like, I never even thought of that. A lot of men, they're like, I don't know. I Like, whatever it works out, whatever she wants, it's fine. Um, women also sometimes are just very unclear about what they want. But without anybody else in the picture, somebody else can really take it seriously. Some people say, you know what, I'm not ready to start dating today. Maybe I need a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I'll, I'll start, you know, after the holidays. Okay, fine, good. Let's say you meet somebody right away. How long do you want to date before you get engaged? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I said, okay, think about it. You do know. And then they tell me, well, six months, a year, a year and a half, whatever it is, they, they come up with their plan. It could be anything from, you know, a, a couple of weeks to a couple of years, depending on who I'm working with. And then I said, okay, great, now you're engaged. Now how long do you need to plan a wedding? And people really come up with something sincere, and it gives them a vision of what they want things to look like in their life. And then I ask them at the end, I'm like, okay, can you do, D-E-W, can you do that? Right? And they, they, they say, well, no, actually, because, uh, you know, I have my brother's something, and I have my graduation, or I have something that's coming up. I can't. I said, okay, then you need to revise your plan, because this plan is a real-life plan, and we're planning it for now, as if it's going to be happening. So it gives people the motivation to kind of get into dating and get things going. So it's not a, a checklist per se where all of a sudden they're going to start getting nervous when the dates that have been chosen are coming closer and things are not where they wanted them to be. It's just a, it's a focusing mechanism? Correct. And when the dates get close, we reevaluate, we look at the plan, and then we revise. You know, it's kind of like a paper that you would write. You don't go with the first draft always. Sometimes the first draft could be great. Other times you have to edit it and you have to make changes. So we have to be fluid and flexible. We have to have a vision, and at the same time, we have to understand we don't run the world, and the right person might come along at a different timeline than what you want, but it's really good to know what you actually want first. So you wrote this book for, the, for people who want to be dating coaches like yourself. You wrote it for the children who are supposed to figure it out, or parents to help their children, or I guess it's A, B, or C again. <laughs> um, I wrote it for the singles themselves. That's who I had in mind when I was writing it, and I tried to write it for all ages. So I've had people you know, as, as young as late teens or 20s read it and as old as um, 60s or 70s read it, and they felt like it had information that spoke to them. For sure, parents can get information about the process and what I think is a great way to go about it. And I definitely have, I also do training for coaches, and I definitely have my coaches read it because this is kind of the baseline. Like, if you learn nothing else about dating and relationships, this would be my foundation going forward. And I think it puts people in the right frame of mind and uh, helps them to get out there in a good way. So if a person wanted to go into whether as a as a profession as a dating coach 
or even as just they want to be helpful. Um, it's not like I can stand in front of the synagogue and raise my hand and say, pick me, whoever wants, just come my way. How do people let singles know I want to help you? I would say casually talking to them, getting to know them, letting them know you kind of have a hobby of um, wanting to work with singles and let them know what you're interested in doing. If you like to set people up, then tell them you want to do that. If you say, look, I have time. I could be a listening ear if you want to run things by me or you just, you know, you want to bounce ideas off of me or if you just want to share and you need somebody to listen, I can be here for you. Um, I would say those are great ways to let people know. It's usually, you know, one-on-one. And I think you also have to realize there's singles of all ages and all stages. You have singles, never been married, that are very young. You have people who have been divorced or widowed with children, without children. There's lots of life circumstances, and um, there's many people that are looking for well-intentioned people who want to help. And the only thing I'd caution you against is giving too much advice, right? I would do more listening than advising because singles really need to be heard. And, and they, when I say they need to be heard, it's more that they need to hear themselves so that they can hear their own thinking because there's so much noise going on around them. So we have to almost hope that single realizes that uh, the first person they started talking to um, is busy lecturing instead of listening, and we hope the single knows to move on from there because I can only imagine um, that could be even more frustrating. It is. It's really difficult. And what's really hard is is when people say these one-off comments like, oh, you're so great. Why aren't you married yet? Or, you know, like, what's wrong? Is there something wrong? Like, why wouldn't somebody want you? Or, oh, it'll happen soon. Yeah, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Those things don't feel so good. It just, it's kind of like throwing gas on the fire. It just, it's like irritating. It's listening or just being there for somebody, asking them what they want or how you could be there for them is something that would be really helpful. Okay. Well, lots of information for those who want to be a mentor. Um, I think it's more than just raising your hand and saying you want to be a mentor. So, um, so what, what... I, if somebody wants professional coaching, I offer a professional coaching course for people that want to go into this, or even if they want professional help, but they don't want to do this professionally, but they want a real course, I have a course to train coaches. So how would they find that? Um, It's on my website at marriagemindedmentor.com. At marriagemindedmentor.com. So someone, which I did check the website, I did know that uh, you could do that today, but I'd rather you say it. Um, Okay, very good. So let's uh, let's just get a a couple more things as time is flying. Um, You know, many of us are well-intentioned and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. um, And therefore we could... Well, not me, I'm already married, but someone's going out and they don't really want to go out with a person anymore and they stop talking to the person or they they or they're non confrontational is almost a good word. Um how do you help those people with their clarity say and to be fair maybe, to say, you know, it was it was fun, I enjoyed your company, but it's not gonna work. Right. Some people have a really hard time with that. If If you're the kind of person who has a really hard time with saying no, um, singles have told me they do lots of different things. Some people wait. They let the other person say no. They just wait it out until somebody finally says no to them because they can't bear to say no to somebody. Other people ask people to intervene on their behalf and, 
you know, have a have a go between. And the modern day common thing to do is something called ghosting, which means that somebody will literally just disappear. They won't refer, return phone calls or text messages or emails, or they just become completely unresponsive. I would say that last way is um, really not the best way at all. It's painful and it's confusing. It would be much better just to say no. A lot of people said, I could respect a no, but like not even, you know, having a conversation about it, it shows me you're not even ready to be in a relationship. So I think learning how to have a conversation or even just how to say, no, this isn't working for me, you're a wonderful person, but just not the right fit for me is really ideal. Uh, so ghosting is a great word because as a fundraiser, um, I also run into people who I guess will call ghosting. They pick up the phone after a couple of years by mistake, not realizing it was me. And then, <laughs> yes. and then they say, oh, please call me back uh, next Tuesday. And uh, somehow, um, uh, I guess that's a good word. They've turned into a ghost. But, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, we, do you tell... Your, the, the, the people you're working with that just as a, as, a, as a sign of growth that they have to you know stand up I mean we do it for our children we, yeah. we, we're not going to sit back and just uh, let uh, things happen to them so do you, right. do you help them learn that there's nothing wrong with saying no and the person will not melt because of it <laughs> yes and I encourage it because most people have told me they would much rather hear a no than hear nothing you know, when it's just, you hear crickets, there's just nothing out there. You just, it just doesn't feel good to hear a no. Okay, fine. So you don't like me. Now I can move on. They have closure. And I think a no offers that closure and it just feels, it feels better. It doesn't feel good. I'm not saying if like a no doesn't feel good. You might have disappointment and other things, but you are able to move on a little bit easier when you heard it from the person themselves. It's also better hearing it directly from somebody than indirectly because when you don't hear it from the person, you don't believe it 100%. Your brain's a little bit tricky, and, and you're like, well, they didn't say it. Maybe somebody else convinced them. I'm not sure. When somebody actually says it to you and you know that they're sincere, it makes sense, and it feels real. So it helps somebody to move on. Amazing. As our time is winding down, we have about two minutes left. Um, so if you could share with us before I have to let you go, um, in dating, there's certainly things important, not important. I had a cousin who needed somebody tall, dark, and handsome. She married a guy shorter than her, and she's all a 5'1". Um, what's important? What's important is that somebody knows what their values are, and they look for somebody who matches up with those values. Looks are one of many categories, and a person has to be appealing to a, a degree, but I'm talking about whether kindness or loyalty or compassion or somebody who's emotionally available or loving or giving or driven or passionate, all of these things that are, that are at the core of who somebody is, it's important to know who you are and what you want in somebody else and to make sure those values are aligned. And wherever they're not aligned, because it's never going to be perfect, nobody's a twin, but where they're not aligned to be able to acknowledge and accept who somebody is and to say, okay, you know, I'll take the good with all this other stuff and, and we'll build a beautiful life together. Well, well put and greatly appreciate it. Lisa, I can't thank you enough for coming, especially 
Today, I thought Tuba Av was like on Shabbos or something. But today is actually Tuba Av, a special day where people will, uh, from the Talmudic times, will uh, will look for their match. Um, Elise is the author of Get Real, Get Married. Of course, you can get it on Amazon or I would say wherever fine books are sold, but now everybody just goes to Amazon. Um, you can check out her website at marriagemindedmentor.com. Um, certainly, if you're a single, it's a good place to go. If you're a parent and you're too much on your kids' case, it's an even better place to go. Aliza, thank you again so much, and good luck. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay, we're going to be back with Rabbi Jonas and Goldson right after the break, and we'll wrap up another great show. Hold on, and we'll be right back. Maple Lane Golf Club is a 54-hole golfing treasure located in the heart of Sterling Heights. Maple Lane Golf Club offers immaculate greens, a top-flight pro shop, and inexpensive green fees. For convenience, book your tee time online at maplelanegolf.com. Come out and enjoy a great golf experience. Try our Nine and Dine special, nine holes of golf, and enjoy food and refreshments in the Clubhouse Bistro. That's Maple Lane Golf Club in Sterling Heights. Check us out at maplelanegolf.com. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a 5-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Park City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Walled Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. A study from Johns Hopkins researchers indicates a high-fat diet may lead to the development of new nerve cells in your brain that influence how much you eat. But it's also been known for decades that the brain continues to form new nerve cells well into adulthood. So for now it appears the process occurs not only in the parts of your brain associated with memory and a sense of smell, but also in the ones that control your various body functions including hunger and thirst. One researcher believes that your brain functions this way as part of your body's survival mechanism. When food is abundant, it generates cells that will make you eat more and make you store excess calories as fat for use when food is not readily available. But the problem with humans, particularly those in developed countries, is that food is almost always readily available. So the more you eat, the more fat you store and the greater becomes your appetite. With another Prescription for Your Health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. And we're back. And if you missed any part of that interview with Elizabeth Shalom, that was just piled and packed with information about dating. Um, all denominations, all kinds of people, all kinds of ages. Really, really fantastic. But as every week, and um, Rabbi Jonas Goldson was kind to me to push himself up to later in the show. Uh, Jonas, are you there? I am here. Great. Thank you so much again for coming. The clock is running. Go for it. All right. Well, here's a headline from St. Louis. An Uber driver installed a webcam on his dashboard to video his passengers and live stream them on his website. The good news is that Uber suspended him and the Internet host shut down his website. But the surprising news is that what he did is not actually against the law. Well, if it's not against the law, was he wrong to do it? In the Torah portion this week, we have maybe the most famous verse in Judaism, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkeinu, Hashem Echad. Here, listen, Israel, 
God, your, uh, your, uh, Hashem is your God, Hashem is one. So why does it say hear Israel and not see Israel? What's the difference between hearing and seeing? When we look at something, we get a superficial overview. We just see it on a very shallow level. But hearing means going beneath the surface, putting the pieces together, arranging and understanding, working to construct a more profound, ultimately truer picture than what we get just by seeing. So when it comes to following the precepts of the Torah, it's not just about what we have to do. It's about what we should do, what Hashem, what God really wants from us. And this is especially relevant after Tisha B'Av. We commemorate the destruction of the temple that was destroyed in part because Jews did not go beyond the letter of the law. We need to listen carefully to understand what God really wants from us. That's how we develop ourselves individually and as a nation into spiritual and moral people. Excellent. Well put, Jonasen. Thank you so much. I hope Always to hear from you again next week. Be well. And you too. Okay. You know, I was going to talk about that. Um, the hero Israel, it should be see Israel, understand Israel. Um, but seeing is not always believing. It's good. And uh, the idea of, you know, that these guys watch on the webcam, seeing is not always believing. Hearing is also not always believing. But hearing really is from the language of understanding. We want you to understand. Um, so with that, it'll actually lead me into my word and letter of the week. Tony, you ready? Tony is ready. So we are up to the fifth letter, the letter hey. Hey, a very simple letter. The pronunciation is like breathing. It's just a he. So that's the hey. It's, uh, it's really last week's letter, the da letter, that inverted L with a little um, stick towards the bottom on the other side. It's called a hey. Its numerical value is five. Um, the word I picked this week is really a combination of words. It's, it's what we call haya. Haya means was. Hove, another similar word, it's all from the same, uh, same root. Hove means is or present, and then yiye means will be. So the same verb actually means past, present, and future. And what's interesting is when we say the Shema, and uh, we say it twice a day during our prayers, and people will say it before they go to sleep. So when we think God's name, we're actually supposed to have in mind God was is, and will be. Always. Everything that's happened is because of God. Everything that's happening now is because of God, and everything that will happen is because of God. That's what we call the Hoya Hove V'yiyah words of the Shema. You know what? I have a few minutes left. Um, Shema, of course, is that verse that's famous throughout Jewish history when the great Rabbi Akiva was being executed by the Romans because he taught... Torah in public, so um, when he was dying, he was actually smiling, and I guess the students were around, and they said to him, they said, our master, they're, they're torturing you, why are you happy? He said, because my whole life, part of serving God, and we say it in the Shema, I have to love God with my money, with my, with my heart, with my soul, could I, could I really love God with my soul? I don't know. So now that I was able to know that I'm dying because I served God and I am at peace with that. So that means that my whole life I actually served God with love. And, and that is something to be happy about. And the Talmud continues that Rabbi Akiva said that this famous phrase of here, Israel, Hashem Echad, there's one God. 
and uh, he died with the word echad on his lips. And therefore, this phrase became, I guess we'll call it the catchphrase, that throughout um, our history, when Jews were put to death, whether we talk about in the Holocaust last week or pogroms or other times through history, whenever Jews are put to death, that's the phrase they say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, and with my minute and a half left, um, there's another famous story about this, a famous story, I think I told it once, with uh, Rabbi Beryl Wine was on a plane, and he, so the story goes, and he was sitting next to an astrophysicist. And the astrophysicist says, uh, Rabbi, is it true that the whole Jewish religion is based on hero Israel, God, our God, God is one? So Rabbi Wine turned to him and says, and what do you do for a living? And the man said, I'm an astrophysicist. Oh, the rabbi said, um, is it true that really all astrophysicists can be boiled down to twinkle, twinkle, little star? So yeah, it may be a simple phrase of, uh, of hero Israel, but it's a powerful phrase. It's an important phrase and everything that we believe, yes, can boil down to one simple phrase that we recognize God is one. And already my music is coming. So it is time to wrap up. We had great guests today. I appreciate you listening. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. I couldn't do without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team this week. Tony, Ben, Angel, Jake. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. And until next week, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk to our new radio media. Until next week, don't forget to think about it.